Hello and welcome to One Man and His TARDIS. My name is Chris Nichols. My name is Gemma Bassett. And I'm Mark Andrews. This is the pilot episode, so we'll just go around and say a little bit on why we're Doctor Who fans and how we got into it. Oh, God, right. Uh, well, um, I started, this is Mark Humphreys talking, I should say. Uh, I started way back in 1987 when I was, must be about five, so my era was the McCoy era. Um, then three years later, it was pretty much cancelled, and that was it. So um, I pretty much lived off UK gold repeats in video releases, all the way up until, the, and then big finishes, all the way up until the new series. So, um, Doctor Who's never really been cancelled. Well, there's always been new Doctor Who for me to discover. There's never been a period where I've seen everything there is to see. And uh, I also waste my life by going to conventions. Uh, I've been watching Doctor Who since I was about two. It's all my uncle's fault. He left his sort of videos around and I think I picked them up and <laughs> convinced him to let me watch them. Uh, yeah, so pretty much the same as Mark, actually. Mm. I still haven't seen all of them, but, you know, that's something to aim for. I've always remembered from very early, early childhood, the original BBC showings of McCoy. Uh, ever since then, though, it kind of fell out for me. I didn't really have access to Sky, so I couldn't catch it on UK Gold, and I couldn't catch it on VHS. Didn't have a lot of money back then. Oh. But I've got into it slowly again when I got older, got my own money. And now the new series has started kicking off, I got back into it in a big way. And I think I've seen quite a few yeah. the originals. For today's episode, we will be discussing our favourite Doctor Who episodes. And we're going to start with Mark. So, Mark, yes. can you tell us what it is? Well, I suppose uh, I'm going to say a very controversial thing here for other Doctor Who fans. Uh, my favourite story is a McCoy story. I'll just pause for a moment while people hurl things at their computer <laughs> and shout, it is not right, it is awful. But no, no, it's really... Um, well, I agree that the McCoy era has its faults, as indeed a lot of the late 80s stuff do. Um, for me, it is basically he was the Doctor when I was watching it. So I have two... Although I can only really have strong memories of two of his last seasons, I can't really remember the first one that much... Um, but uh, to cut them so short, my f- favourite McCoy story is uh, Curse of Fenric. Hey, mm. nice. I think anyone can argue with that. No, one, really. no. <laughs> it is. It was actually the first story I remember when I was watching. I was eager to see what happened the next week, and I just remember being excited each week. I don't. The, the season before that with the Daleks, the Cybermen, um, I wasn't excited. Is to wait for the next week. So it was just something that came along the next week. But when it came to Curse of Fenric, I was really in. To it and really excited to see what happened in the next week and I couldn't wait uh, and I also remember be- guessing it was Ace's mother although I'm pretty sure pretty much everyone else did before I, I never you did didn't know. No, oh no, no. Uh, I just remember jumping for joy and saying yes I'll try I knew it and I was so <laughs> proud of myself but it was generally it was the first episode where I remember waiting just cannot wait for the next week and that's why it's one of my favourites I think it has a particularly strong cast for uh, back then particularly in the 80s who was renowned for stunt casting and having celebrities left, right and centre um, and this is where I'm going to show my very lack of Doctor Who knology I can't actually remember <laughs> the actual <coughs> actors' names who played the parts but I'll try and remember uh, the characters' names um, I don't know what sadder feedback please <laughs> um, I thought the uh, bloke who played the actor who played the character Dr Milligan who I think was the one in the wheelchair 
Commander Millington. Commander Lawson. No, he was the... Uh, yeah, it was Dr. Judson. Dr. Judson, thank you. I think. Thank you. Thank Am you. I correct? <laughs> Gemma is our little Wikipedia. Lady. <laughs> I could be wrong. Please <laughs> check We it. do have a computer here yes. right in front of us, no, so we, we could, could just actually go check. Wikipedia. Yeah, just, just. Yes, I just didn't remember that uh, being very impressed with the actors. Um, I think it was also one of the first times I remember not not thinking I'm watching a TV story. Uh, I'm not watching an actor's acting. Um, actually, I'm getting engrossed in the story. And I, went, when I was also a bit younger. I uh, was very into Vikings and all that. And so uh, that was my sort of early geekhood as well. I was into a lot of archaeology and Vikings were a part of it. I think there's a boat underneath the water. Oh. And the, and the Morse legends. But I think it just has such great imagery. For a time when Doctor Who was supposed to, or when fan lore is that 80s Who and the end of the series was rubbish and it nothing can nothing compared to the Tom Baker as I thought they were producing some brilliant imagery mm. with the series and capturing it brilliantly I love that sequence with the underwater um, the hand the, the, yeah and the guy who opens his eyes yeah, that's, oh, yeah. Funny, that's actually a black bloke yeah I've, I've heard that. that yeah they painted his um, face on so uh, yeah well, that talking about imagery for Curse of Fenrir, it's one of the earliest memories I have. Watching television is the hands of the two girls oh, with yeah. the nails, and that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I've swum on that beach. Cool. cool. Yes. Cool. It's very good. It's, um, quite close there. Did you feel the undercurrents? No, because I didn't at the time when I was swimming there. I didn't actually know that's where they shot the Curse of Fenrir. So oh. I was a bit gutted afterwards that I didn't know that at the time. Uh, Commander Millington, there we go, and Dr. Judson. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> the Wikipedia. Wikipedia. It's not just bollocks, ladies and gentlemen, it actually works. <laughs> I just remember it being a very good story, and it still was up to I mean, I, I, I rewatched it when the DVD came out. But I was into it just as much. Um, weak points about the story. Oh, top of my head, top of my head, weak points. Uh, obviously, the masks aren't the best in the world. You do see. One of them almost come off on that. Um, yeah, John. Mm. Uh, and uh, they are pretty much static. I mean, there is no movement. I mean, it's pretty much all the money went on the big sea beast at the end, the uh, great healer or great ancient healer. Ancient healer. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, when on all the money went towards him and everyone else sort of suffered. But I love the fact that they would all wear in different period costumes. Mm. All the monsters, so they were just different. So it felt like it'd be going on for ages. It was very epic feel to it and I love the mist how the mist descended on everything as well that's very good and of course we can't if we have to talk this and um, uh, this is going to be very chauvinistic male here um, the ladder fight with Sophie Aldred and uh, the top half of her suspenders and tights being visible on screen for a good uh, you know about five seconds um, obviously at a young age you did notice it but at the age I am now 25 I can really appreciate the art in that shot you know? <laughs> well I think if you discuss any McCoy episodes mm. you really have to just ignore Mel completely yeah. just go straight for Ace <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. she was a beautiful woman she was a beautiful woman yes she could, oh, uh, many things she could have done with that baseball bat that made me happy <laughs> <laughs> okay and that's not repeatable images. on um, this recording uh. <laughs> and back in in five. I'm gonna use it. No, I'm the editor. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare tell me what I can't use. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> 
But then there's the lovely fact that if you get the DVD now, yeah. you've got the choice of watching it as the four-part series as it was aired, mm. or mm. you can have it's it film. as the nice film. It's a good attempt. I'll say, I'm not bad mouthing it. It's actually a, it's actually very enjoyable when you're watching the film version and the added effects. It's very well done. It's just it's very for for us old schoolers, you know. It's <laughs> it's very noticeable. There's a certain build in the narrative as the story goes, and it's all builds, and then it's all. Drops. So like it's building up to something, then it just drops again slowly, and then builds up and then drops again slowly, builds up, drops again slowly until it gets to the end. And that's it. But like I said, it's a, it was a, I'm glad to have it. I'll, I'll, I'm happy it's on there. I will, if I had a choice of there or not, I'd have it. So I wish they would have um, just got rid of the uh, McCoy titles in the beginning and done a proper film opening <laughs> and ending instead of uh, just opening up like normal Doctor Who. That's the only thing I would have done. But apart from that, well done. Well done, RT. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think with Curse of Fenric, it's definitely a a story you can introduce anyone who's watching the new series mm. if you want to get them into classic <clears throat> it's definitely an episode that you yes, introduce definitely. them to mm. if they like the um, the more yeah. aggressive monsters in the new series mm. like the Scarecrows mm. and, okay. and to close up I'd just like to say it's also one of the stories that sort of tries to introduce a romantic interest for the companion that doesn't feel forced oh Ace's conversation yes. is yeah. gorgeous yeah. when she's chatting they're trying to distract that bloke no, I hate that bit. Yeah. I think that's really, really. I don't know. It just doesn't ever ring true. I, I just always skip. I have to. Well, you forget one thing. It was just... a soldier on an army camp. He was probably really desperate. So, basically, but then again, yeah. I think it rings of the old film set yeah. in that era or made in that era. <clears> the kind, <throat> the way she's speaking. I shall seduce him by talking out of balls. <laughs> Really it would work on me, <laughs> and you're surprised. Yeah, it well, it works yeah. today. It works no, no. today very well. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were talking about her relationship with Captain Sorin, though, weren't you? Oh, oh she had a relationship Sorin. with someone else, did she? Yes, they were right into each other. He gives her his um, communist badge and oh, yeah. scarf. That's what yeah, she's wearing yeah. at the end. Yes, before yes. he turns into uh, Fenwick. Yes. Not that we want to spoil it for anyone. No, no. no, 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 no. Of <laughs> course, the, these podcasts do contain away. spoilers. If, if, yeah. if you do, if you do wish to forget this, we suggest banging your head against a wall very hard. No, we do not suggest <laughs> physical harm to yourself. <laughs> no. <laughs> we advocating suicide next. Teenage pregnancy. Oh God, this can't go out on air. <laughs> I am going to be very non-purist and very sort of, well, I feel a bit of a traitor actually, but I actually <coughs> think that the best episode or story of Doctor Who ever was actually Blink. Oh, yes. I know, I know, but, but I really do. It's the one I think I enjoy watching the most. I mean, I don't really do favourites like that. It's, it's quite difficult out of 40 odd years of television to pick the best story ever and I think um, if we're talking about it we are fans we can chuck in the big finish audios as well oh mm. Mm. yeah but they don't there's, really. some, there's a Dalek one on there that should be quite good Shh. I'm going to give you such a slap <laughs> um, <laughs> but coming soon in a later podcast ladies and gentlemen that's our season arc what did Gemma do <laughs> <laughs> there will be links to the big finish website at some point <laughs> And, and will be I will be poking many people in the eye. <laughs> I just think there was some brilliant characterisation in it. It was extremely well written. Um, it was very pretty to look at. The angels were good. I just think the whole thing was pretty damn fantastic. And the fact that you don't see the angels move either, that's just brilliant. And I know it's a Doctor Light episode, but I do like that bit where he runs in at the end with the 
bows and arrows and <laughs> disappears off to his other adventure. I can't talk for 15 minutes on a subject like this. Uh, I think Blink yeah. speaks for itself. It's just it fantastic. Its biggest crutch, the fact that it is a Doctor Light episode, yeah. actually adds to the suspense because, because you he's don't not feel there. safe enough yeah. and the Doctor's not there. It makes a good horror yeah. story. Yeah. And the way that it's that the way that that dialogue is written that he says on the easter eggs just the you know it's just and the way it all fits together at the end it's just so clever well done Stephen Moffat we love you <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a moment <laughs> does, does the boyfriend remind you of Shaggy from Scooby Doo yes yes, yes. 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 I just like I'm wondering if it's he's supposed to though like yoinks they go to statues again yoinks <laughs> 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 I school. Don't blink, or those motherfuckers will kill us. <laughs> Stop him. Okay. Okay. Who's right. Scooby Doo then? Shaggy. No, who is Scooby Doo in Blink? Oh, I don't know. If he's Shaggy, it would have to be Sally Sprite. Sally Sprite. <laughs> That's me. Right. Okay. We're when... going to be strong for that now. Sally Sparrow is sacred to Doctor Who fans now. Oh, she is. She is good. Yes. She is. She is, she is good. very good. good. A companion it should be. Basically, yes. yeah, and I think it just it just goes to show how good Stephen Moffat is that he can write a character that the fans can get behind so well, yeah. like Sally Sparrow, and want her back into the series mm. when she's only on screen for forty five minutes. Mm. Mm. Very good. <clears throat> Sandy, they didn't let her though. That's yeah. So, so they went for Catherine Tate, which I must admit I am enjoying. I think she's very well, but I would like Sally Sparrow and I know that that sort of makes me a sad fanboy now for some strange reason you're criticised for being a sad fanboy for wanting Sally Sparrow as a companion but quite frankly I think there would have been a lot more there than bringing Donna back should we, we save the Donna bashing until the end of the season <laughs> no, no, no. See. Donna, Donna but, is fine there's nothing wrong with Donna I just think there would be more potential in someone you didn't know but then Donna was only really <clears> in 10 more minutes airtime than Sally Sparrow was before yeah. the series started, they both had the same, same amount of airtime. But Sally Sparrow isn't as irritating. <laughs> I'd like to point out, Catherine Tate, I do enjoy her performance on this show. I think she's great. I just would have preferred Sally Sparrow because I'm a sad fanboy. There we go. <laughs> Fair enough. I think I am going to pander to the masses and choose an episode of Tom Baker's. Right. Uh, I've recently been re-watching them and I think Planet of Evil Faith. looks brilliant Planet of Evil? Planet of Evil oh. I've just picked That's... one that no one can comment on at all well I can because I remember it yeah um, <coughs> I do get it is very Hammer Horror it's, well, it's more Forbidden Planet in it so like if Hammer Horror had to go at Forbidden Planet it's what it would probably have turned out like uh I think it. The first episode is much more stronger, maybe because of those um, eating. Stu- I think it was eating studios um, shots of in the jungle. Well, I think if you look at it, it is a studio-based story, which mm. can be very limiting. And for the, the set ideas, it could have gone really badly. Mm. And some of the camera angles are gorgeous, where you have the security robots flying around trying to chase the Doctor down. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh yes, you've now twigged on which episode it is. I forgot about, about the security yes. robots. I can remember them. And they look, they do look good, don't they? It when does. they're floating around, they, it's a really good mm. effect. It just looks, it's a very pretty episode. Mm. It's not overly done, and it's not talked about to death on the forums, I don't think. Um, no. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little story. 
I would say I would say um, uh, if you were going to uh, re-edit it, I would re-edit to a two-parter. Because I think in the, in the middle of two episodes, it does lose a bit of all the running around on the ship. True. True. And and you find that the Sorison uh, character who becomes the main protagonist towards the end of the story sort of falls to the background for the for most of the parts two and three before he actually becomes the antimatter monster or part of him anyway. Uh, and I think he would, the story would probably be a lot more stronger if it was edited down to two episodes because um, I said there's nothing about I mean uh, it's good to have Prentice Hancock there with the, what on earth are those uniforms they're wearing I have to say this I mean. as we go into the future one thing I've noticed about the future in Doctor Who is as we go in the future do we lose our dress sense yes yeah yeah that's that's um, that's how Doctor Who remembered we we lose our dress sense the further into the future we go mind you this was the 70s and dress sense was about as far as off as you can get (laughs) well if you're talking dress sense you've got to talk Warriors of the Deep and Michael Jackson's thriller outfit oh yes (laughs) another talk for another time but uh, yeah just uh I always thought in those old, in terms of future, how come when you see these films where, where like these humans are sort of um, barricaded off and uh, they sort of revert to punk, and that's it, they don't go any further than punk. What is it about the early eighties? Who reverts to punk? No, I'm just saying in in these in these like <coughs> talking about fashion in disaster movies and all that, where you some like Mad Max, oh, yes. and uh, Doomsday lately. <laughs> You get these; they always, they always seem to sort of like the society seems to de-evolve into punk in terms of spiky hair and stuff like that. Sort of like early eighties. They 80s. can't be bothered to brush it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I doubt there's sort of apocalyptic sort of maybe all the hairbrushes. Yeah, but why, why is it only early eighties punk? I mean, you never see a disaster film or a future film where people have evolved back into you know rolled up sleeves, heavy stubble, and gelled hair. Yeah, so, but that would just be too scary. Yeah. yeah. And there probably is a lack of stylists in the post-apocalyptic <clears throat> future. Well, there can be. I mean, they managed to get the cut exactly right, and they managed to tattoo themselves just well. If we were to de-evolve in the films and go back to basic instincts, you thought you'd basically go back to cavemen in big beards and you know group packs and all that. But we just yeah. The trouble is, in these films, people have to look sexy still. There's yeah. got to be some sort of well. If you find dog collars and spiky hair sexy, Gemma, then that is uh, your preference. Actually... <laughs> You know what I mean. You can't just have a load of people walking around with matted beards. It would just be disgusting. He wouldn't want to watch that. That's Shakespeare, isn't it? So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's something Gemma wouldn't want to help out. Um, what? <laughs> and I think that, that pretty much wraps it up for yeah. this one. If anyone else has got anything else to add? No. No? Oh, I'd just like to say is our final word on our first podcast. Um, Dimensions in time is canon. Dimensions in time is not canon. It is. I've said it. It's on recorded thing. It's impossible. You can't deny it. It's not canon. What's wrong with dimensions in time? It's awful. (laughs) It's not. It's a. It's a children in need special. Yes, that does not make it non-canon. Yes, it does. No, it does. What are you saying? The breaking of the fourth wall in. in time crash in time crash is suddenly canon he doesn't actually break the fourth wall oh well you but then but then talking about breaking the fourth wall tom baker was the worst for doing that oh yeah oh apart from um merry christmas oh yes what? hartnell hartnell's merry christmas speech yeah well hartnell was a deranged old man wasn't he he was probably just 
looking for his, they probably didn't forget they forgot to feed him his gin so oh. allegedly 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 <laughs> that's the allegedly button going down now <laughs> okay okay we've been rambling yes. rambling we've rambling. been stumbling you know and if you'd like to get involved in our ramblings please see help please get yourself some help please it is not too late just go and get some help and while you're waiting for help to come you can go online to plymouthwho.co.uk from there there's a link to the forums and you can come and visit us we're going to put a thread up for the podcast yeah and I've been Chris Nichols and I've been Gemma Bassett and I've been Mark Humphreys good night I'm clear!